All right. Well, we are nearing the end of our series, Matters of the Heart. Next week will be the last message in that series. We're going to talk about um, what do we do when there's guilt in our heart. And we're going to have uh, Communion Sunday next Sunday, so um, that's going to be really awesome to do that together. Um, but we've talked about several different things over the last few weeks. Uh, we talked about um, anger, as anger can take root in our heart. We've talked about how entitlement can take root in our heart, um, how futility can take root and, and cause us to lose hope. We've talked about how we need to have compassion. Um, that's such a powerful thing that comes from our hearts. And then last week we talked about how our hearts in general can become hard. And so we don't want that to happen. One of the, the aspects and one of the things we talked about with a hard heart was how pride can harden our hearts. So what I want to do today is just take a brief moment and look at pride. And I'm thinking this message is going to be a little bit shorter um, than the others. Um, so I'm sure nobody will complain about that. But um, usually they say in pastor school, nobody complains when you go short. <laughs> they may complain when you go too long, but nobody really complains when you go too short. Um, they're like, oh, we got out early today. That's good. Um, so anyway, um, as we look at pride, that's such a huge thing that the Bible uh, deals with over and over. There's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. First Peter 5, 5 says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. This refrain is repeated throughout scripture that God opposes those who are proud. You can read in the book of Proverbs or the book of Psalms how God detests the pride and the arrogant and the haughty and he gives grace on the other hand to those who are humble and lowly and those who are broken and those who are in need. Those are the people that God has a special ability to work in their lives. But the pride because of its, uh, its damage it does to our hearts um, causes us to, to remove ourselves from the favor of God and from what God wants to do. So it really doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a believer or, or not, whether you're a Christian or whether you're just somebody in the world. Pride is an Achilles heel in each one of our lives. It doesn't matter who you are. It could be your, your co-worker at work that has nothing to do with God in their life. Pride will be their downfall. It could be somebody that's the pastor of a church that's leading a, you know, this big thing, and they're, they're a great, mighty man of God, whatever, whatever. But pride will be that person's downfall. It comes in a lot of different shapes and a lot of different forms, but it doesn't matter how spiritual you set your life up to be or how unspiritual you are, pride affects us all. And the Bible says this, Proverbs 16, 8, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So pride can be anybody's downfall, whether you're a God-fearing person or not. And the scary thing is uh, God-fearing people might think that they're doing it all right. And one of the biggest issues, and Jesus spoke about this against the Pharisees and others who were the spiritual leaders of his time, is that even while on the outside they look like they're so wonderful and spiritual and great, their hearts are full of pride. Yes. And the path to that pride was because of their spiritual growth. Look what I've done that nobody else has done. Look how great I am because nobody else. And in all of that, pride set in their hearts and it moved them back down the ladder to the very bottom. So we've got to be careful that Pride doesn't take root in our heart. What does pride do? This is the question. There's two questions on this uh, sermon notes here, and this is what we're going to look at today. What does pride do? Number one, well, pride does a lot of things. I can't begin to describe it all, but today we'll look at two things. First one is pride will cause us to claim too much of our success. It'll cause us to claim too much of our success. That, I, that success was really due 
to how fabulous I really am. That my success was really based on how hard I really worked and nobody else did it and I did it. Um, we claim too much of our success. Now, I'm not saying that success doesn't come to those who work hard. I mean, we have to work hard in life. We have to do things. We have to put in the work. I tell my son that about sports and all these different things. you got to put in the work. You know, God blesses the people that probably put in a little bit of work, right? But at the end of the day, God has given us gifts and, and things that are different than others. So when it comes down to it, we can't claim our success as our own. I do like, you know, often there's... They interview the guy at the end of the winning game. They put the microphone, and, and sometimes they say something weird. Sometimes they say this and that. But a lot of times these guys will say, you know what, I want to thank God for the victory. And some people say how silly that is. Well, does God really care about a football game? Does he really care about a basketball game? I don't know. I'm not here to say whether he does or doesn't. But maybe what that really is is that person needs to check the pride that could rise up in their heart. That you know what? I don't want to claim all this as my own. I want to say, you know, God has enabled me to do this. And that's really more for them than it is for anything else. Because if not, we start claiming those things. Pride can take root in our heart. Ezekiel 28, 17. Um, in, in the chapter of Ezekiel 28, it's a prophecy against the king of Tyre. And um, let me Bible scholars think that this is also a prophecy that speaks of Satan falling from heaven. And so in this scripture, it says, Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. And you can read all through here. It's really many believe this is, a, is speaking of when Satan fell from heaven. He was given a position above the other angels. And he was uh, beautiful. He was uh, magnificent. He was this wonderful created being. But because of all his beauty, because of all his success, because of everything that he had, it corrupted his heart. And it be, he became proud. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God. And in all that pride, he was cast out of the presence of God. We have to be careful that our successes don't cause pride to rise up in our heart. Second Chronicles 32, 24, 26, it speaks of Hezekiah. We, we talked about him before, I believe, but Hezekiah was a good king of Israel. He was a godly king. He was one of the better kings of, of, of the, the uh, land of Israel. And so... Uh, there was a time when and he was really struggling. He was going through suffering, and, and, and he was being attacked by the Assyrian king. And he was at a, his wit's end. He didn't know what to do. And there was a whole you know, chapter or two talking about him just struggling through this situation, knowing that this, the, the king of Assyria is way more powerful than, than they were. What are we going to do? And God came through for Hezekiah. At the end of the day, God came through. He solved the problem. He got rid of this army, and Hezekiah was blessed. And it goes on to say from there that his, you know, he had a, a lot of material blessings, material wealth, and all these sort of things. But this is what the, the chronicler says in 2 Chronicle 32, 24, 26. In those days, Hezekiah became ill, and he was at the point of death. So after this great thing, great miracle from God, he actually became ill. He went through some hard times. And uh, you read the prophet Isaiah comes in and says, you know, you're, gonna, you're actually going to die. Um, you're you're going to die. And, and so Hezekiah, if you read in, in Kings, it talks about the same story. Hezekiah turns over toward the wall and begins to pray and says, God, I, I, I've been a good king. I've served you. Would you just show me some favor? Show me some grace? He just pleads and begs with God to touch his life and to bless him. And lo and behold, even after Isaiah left, he came back because the word of the Lord came to him and said, you know what? I've changed my heart toward Hezekiah. I'm going to heal him. So he comes and tells him, God is going to heal you. And in, in, in so doing, they want a sign. And that's when the the, the sundial goes backwards when the light, the all that sort of stuff is amazing, miraculous signs, all those sort of things. Hezekiah becomes well, and, and it says after that, he something changed in his heart. 
He's been blessed by God. He was healed. He had all these successes. Man, what is going on? And uh, the, the envoys from Babylon, so these people from the, the land of Babylon, not Assyria. This is another upstart kingdom that's about to be where Nebuchadnezzar is from. This is an upstart kingdom. They come to check on him because they heard he was sick. And then they come and he doesn't mention at all his God. He doesn't mention at all, look what God's done for me. He goes around and, and shows them all of his wealth. He goes around and shows look at all the stuff I got. Look how great my kingdom is. Look at all this stuff. And it says that this was his downfall. This really was what happened. It says here in, in Chronicles 25, But Hezekiah's heart was proud, and he did not respond to the kindness showed to him. Therefore God's wrath was on him and on Judah and on Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore God's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. So, all of his success, all of these things, all the stuff that God had done in his life turned into, rather than praising God, look at what he's done, and to him saying, you know what, look what I've done. Look at all these things. And as a result of that, it was the kingdom of Israel's downfall. We have to be careful that we don't claim too much of our success. You know, we, we got to be ready to praise and thank God every single day for every blessing. And when we get away from that, when we get away from that, just simple posture. Like I mentioned before, we pray with them before a meal and not just say, you know, thank you, God, for this meal, whatever, whatever, the little prayer that we pray. And Dane actually did that, I think it was this week. He, like, switched it up. He's like, you know what? I heard what you said in the message, Dad. I'm going to pray a different prayer. And he, like, prayed a really thought out, you know, heartfelt prayer. I'm like, there you go, Dane. Good job, man. So uh, <laughs> I did it once, but it was all good. It was better than zero, right? I'll give you credit for that. But you know, those moments where we can actually stop just for a split second and say, God, thank you. Thank you for the car I drive. Maybe it's not the best car on the road, but it is a car that gets me from point A to point B. Just the simple little blessings. We, when we stop thanking God for those things, that's when pride takes root in our heart. We start claiming our own success. It's because I have talent, because I have skill that all these things have happened. No, it's because God has blessed us. Because God has given us that opportunity. So pride will cause us, number one, to claim too much of our success. Number two, pride will cause us to deny most of our failure. It'll cause us to deny most of our failures. Rather than learn from our failures, we will run from them. We're all going to fail. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to get it wrong. That's part of being human. But what pride does is it tries to shield our hearts from embracing the fact that we failed. And it tries to run from it or point fingers at other people's failures. Um, this is a, uh, the first sin that's ever recorded is an example of this. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, um, when they sin against God, they, they eat the fruit of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, they, be, they realize that they've sinned and they go and hide. Rather than saying, man, we failed, wow, this, we need to own up to it. No, they go and hide. That's just, just part of what human beings do. We want to hide our sin. We want to hide from God. We want to shield ourselves um, from our failures. And then when God finds them, because he's God, and you can't hide from God, he finds them, the first thing they start to do is point fingers at other people. Adam says, you know what, it's not really my fault, it's Eve's fault. I didn't, you know, it's not really my fault, I may have done it, but it's not my fault. And it kind of reminds me of if you've ever raised children, right? It's kind of how that goes. When there's a situation, fingers start getting pointed. Well, it's not really my fault, it was actually... This person, no, 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 it's not my fault, it's actually, and usually the youngest, then it's all dumped on them, because they, and then the parents, because they love the youngest so much, they're like, oh, it's okay, right? Right, Dane? He's like, I'm not buying this, you're talking about me. But you know, so Adam and Eve, Adam points at Eve, Eve says, you know what, it's not my fault, the serpent 
uh, tricked me. You know, I didn't even know what's going on. And so they're all pointing fingers. And this is what we tend to do because of the pride in our heart. We don't want to own up to our failures. We want to point them and find somebody else that we can lay them on. You know, there's old time preachers saying that you need to fess up to your mess up. You got to fess up to your mess up. When you mess up, you got to fess up. You know, when you, when you make a mistake, the best thing you can do is not hide and not run. Say, you know what? I, I got it wrong. And the, and the awesome thing is that God is full of grace. If God was a judgmental God and he said, you know, every time you mess up, I'm going to zap you with lightning. It's going to really, be really painful. It's going to hurt. But if you, if you, you know, if that's really what it was, I get it. We want to hide, we want to pretend. But, you know, God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. Amen. When we come to him, he's going to forgive us. But so often we don't want to do that. We want to pretend like we've got everything together. You know, there's a, a leadership author. He talks about, you guys heard John Maxwell. John Maxwell has a book called yes. Failing Forward. You knew about that. They did that at high school. Failing Forward. Our failures don't have to be the end of us. We can fail forward. We can actually, when we embrace the fact, hey, this, this didn't go the way I wanted. This was a mistake. This was, and there's all sorts of failures. And we're going to look at this in a second. But when we own up to it, then we can actually learn from it. But when we don't embrace it, we can never, we never learn from it. So sometimes the failures are the things we need in our lives to help us learn and grow. But if we never want to embrace our failures, we want to have pride in our hearts and say, you know what, I'm going to deny that it ever happened. That's not really me. We can't ever grow and learn. That's how we grow in our lives. When we say, you know what, yeah, I did get it wrong there. That wasn't quite right. But you know what, God is showing me some things, and now I'm growing through this process. It's said that um, Thomas Edison is often quoted as saying he had, he had learned 1,000 and 1,100 ways not to make a light bulb. This guy tried over and over to make a light bulb, and it didn't work, and he failed. I'm sure for me, honestly, I would have tried five or six ways. I'm like, you know what, maybe it's not for me to make a light bulb. Maybe there's somebody else, you know. But he just kept going. He's like, oh, that's not how you do it. Okay, well, that's not how you do it. Well, that's not how you do it. And that attitude that just kept him pursuing, he said, you know, I'm not going to deny that I failed. I'm just going to say, you know, that was not how, that's not how you do it. Okay, I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to fail forward. And through that process, 1,100 times, he finally invented the light bulb, which we all use in our houses. We're pretty grateful for. But we have to learn that, you know what, failure is not the end. This is what Winston Churchill said, and I, I put this down here, but success is not final. And failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. You know, we go through, we have successes in life. We praise God for those. But, you know, we can't live on yesterday's success, Amen. yesterday's victory, and say, you know what, that man, back 30 years ago, God really moved in my life. It was so awesome. And then I just, we can, we can go back and, and maybe we can think about that and praise God for it. But God always has new successes for us. So success isn't final. We gotta work. We seek God each and every day, but failure is not fatal either. We, we we can mess up and we feel like, man, we're totally down. I screwed it all up. God's never going to use me again. But that's not true. If we own up to it, we say, God, here's where I'm at. God will use us. He'll fix it somehow, some way. He'll he'll make something out of nothing in our lives. It's what we need is the the courage to continue. It may be continuing the same route, like Thomas Edison. I'm still trying to make a light bulb. I'm just doing it a different way. Or maybe I'm totally changing course in a new direction in my life, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to plop down here and give up, but I'm going to keep pursuing on to what God has for me in my life. So the second question here, when our hearts are full of pride, let me just share three things it becomes difficult to do. 
when our hearts are full of pride, it becomes difficult to admit that we are wrong. This is kind of similar to what we were just talking about, of, of, of owning up to our failures. But uh, it's easier to find the wrong in others than to identify it in ourselves. The Bible says in, in John, 1 John 1, 8-10, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're, or we are calling God a liar and showing that His word has no place in our hearts. We have to admit from time to time, or maybe all the time, that we're wrong. It's part of God's healing process in our lives. Um, we have to admit different things. Wrong is in sin in our lives. Sometimes we get it wrong and we sin against God's commands. Sometimes it's not sin, but maybe we just made a poor decision. Maybe it was just, it wasn't necessarily a right or wrong God thing, but it was just, hey, that probably wasn't the right call. I need to, I need to you know, change course. But if we have too much pride, we won't want to admit up to that. We will say, you know what, i got to keep going this direction. i got to keep doing this. And, and, and so sometimes we're just wrong, like I said, in a direction in our lives. And we have to say, you know what, I'm, I don't have too much pride to say um, that I can't change direction no matter where I am. They say, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And uh, I don't want to be an old dog. I don't know whether that's true or not because I've never tried to teach a dog much of anything. That's not really what I do. But... Uh, I don't want to be the old dog. I want to be somebody that's able to learn something new no matter what stage Amen. it is in my life. <clears throat> you know, we have to admit, not, not, just to, um, not just to God. We do need to admit our sin to God, but we need to admit to ourselves. Sometimes it's just having a moment of, of silence, a moment of clarity in your life where you say, you know what, you know, I need to change direction. I need to switch some things up in my life. I'm getting off course here. But if we have too much pride, we don't want to do that. Maybe we feel like, well, I've, I've goofed up too many times. I don't want to change again. I mean, what will people think? Well, we can't have that pride keep us from the, the direction God's leading us. We need to admit to others. We need other people in our lives to help us and, and walk with us on the journey. So pride will keep us from admitting that we are wrong. It'll keep us from admitting that we need help. Who's ever felt like, you know, you needed help, but you just didn't want to admit it? There's the classic, men don't ask for directions, right? Um, we're going to figure it out on our own. We don't want to ask for help. We want to have that joy in our hearts that we did it and we didn't need anybody to tell us how to do it, right? Uh, but you know what? That's not healthy. That's not how we're designed. We don't need to be the Lone Ranger in our lives. Remember the old show, The Lone Ranger? I don't know if that was before your time, Jarrell. I'm sorry. Uh, but even The Lone Ranger had a little guy named Tonto, right? And Tonto was his little homie. He was the guy that helped him. Tonto was um, the assistant to the Lone Ranger. And so even the guy that his name is the Lone Ranger had some help, right? So we all need help. You know, I, I'm thinking about being self-sufficient. That's not a terrible thing. We started our, this week doing a chore chart at our house. All right, so we want to teach our kids to have some sufficiency within themselves. Um, we're teaching each child, and I'm saying we as in Cassie, is teaching each child how to do laundry, because that's never my skill set. So um, she still has to teach me how to do that. Uh, I'm not the greatest at laundry, but I do other things. So we're teaching our kids to have some self-sufficiency. So I'm not saying that being self-sufficient is not good in a lot of areas. We need to be able to live our lives, be in control, all those sort of things. But there comes an end to our self-sufficiency at some point where it's like, I've done all that I can do and I need others. 
And it's only pride in our lives that keeps us from taking that step, making that phone call, sending the text, reaching out. When we're struggling, when we're hurting, we're going through a couple things about, man, I've already, man, this guy's going to think I'm annoying. This guy's going to think I've all, man, ah, it's the pride in our hearts that, that keeps us from saying, you know what, I need some help. And we don't want that. That's, if we let pride set in and we don't reach out to others, we're going to stunt the growth that God wants to do in our lives. It's, it can be anybody here. It can be myself saying, you know what, I'm struggling. Oh, but I'm Pastor Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's pride. I need to reach out, right? There's people, whoever it may be, I need to call and get on the phone. Hey, I need, you know, I'm, I'm going through a tough time today. Give them a call. We all deal with that. And sometimes instead of reaching out, we say, you know what, I, I got this. I'm fine. It's no big deal. We don't want to start by admitting that we're struggling and then admit that we need help. We all need to reach out for help, whether it's maybe something we don't know. You know, a lot of times now, because of YouTube, we think that we don't need people. <laughs> I'll just YouTube it. I don't know. I'm struggling. Let me just Google it. You know, she's got a hip injury thing. Oh, we don't need a doctor. We'll just Google it, right? All right. Well, I think uh, it could be this, could be that, right? Um, Google is not, it's great, but it's not going to be what another person can be. YouTube is great, and you can change your brakes on your car through YouTube or whatever it may be. But sometimes you need an actual human being to be there for you, that the internet or whatever it may be, you can't solve. We need one another. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. We all need the help of other people in our lives. We don't need pride to come in our hearts and keep us isolated from those people. And finally, number three is this. We all need to be able to admit that we are not okay from time to time. From time to time, we all get to that place where we're just not okay. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to go through times where you're just struggling, where you're just having a difficult week, where you're having a difficult month, a difficult season. That's okay. You can still love the Lord. You can still follow him. He still loves you. But you know what? Sometimes you're struggling. You know, you know why I know that? Well, I know that's true. Because there was a time where Jesus was not okay where Jesus was struggling, where Jesus reached out to his friends and said, you know what, uh, disciples, I need you. I'm going through a difficult time. Jesus modeled us for us how to live the Christian life, and even Jesus, the almighty God, was not okay. So if he's not okay, imagine us. Imagine when we go through things. I mean, he had the connection to God, all these sort of stuff that we're like, wow, I mean, that's not, I can't be Jesus. But if even he struggled, we're going to struggle. Come on. It says this in Matthew 26, 36-38. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was going to the cross, thinking about all the pain he was going to endure and, and the overwhelming burden he was going to bear of our sins. This is what he said. Then Jesus went with him to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray, talking to his disciples. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Before he even went to the cross, he felt like, you know, I'm about to die right now. This is how how much struggle and pain I'm going through in this moment. And he brought with him human beings, other people that he created. His own creation he brought with him as companions. And if we know the story, how sad it is, his own companions, his own friends just fell asleep on the job. 
and they just said, you know what, man, we're tired. This is tough. You know, I, we got our, we were kind of sleepy, so we're not going to be here for you. And, and so often maybe we've experienced that where our friends kind of let us down and maybe they kind of fell asleep at the wheel and we thought we could count on them and they didn't. So then now we're going to say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to muscle through in my own strength. You know, I, I'm just going to try to figure this out because people have let me down before. And, and, you know, maybe that's not really the route to take. But, you know, Jesus, he kept going back to his friends. Hey, will you keep watch with me? Will you keep? He kept giving him more chances because he knew that people, people will fail you and will fail other people. That's, how, that's, that's just how it works. But we can't give up on the fact that we need one another. We're all, we're all going to get it wrong. We're all going to hurt one another, maybe on purpose, maybe not on purpose. But God has grace for all of us if we can live in that sort of community. You know, we're, we're all human beings. We all go through different things. I imagine in this room today with just the few that we have, there's people battling different emotions and struggles and things that they're going through. And the truth is, it's only pride that separates us from one another. That would say, you know what? Oh, I'm fine. Praise God, brother. I'm good. Or, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really good. I already, I already asked you one time. You know, I, we, we start feeling like we're, we're too much for somebody else. And God, God wants to bind us together in community. That we can lift each other up. And it's, it's, it's one for one another. You know, it's, it's all, all the way around. Where you have a pastor that cares for you. you know, but the pastor, hey, needs you guys too. And, and so it's all, it's all how God has designed it. But we have, to, we have to push down that pride that comes in our hearts. It wants to keep us isolated from one another. Hey, we have to admit that sometimes we got it wrong, that we've sinned, that we've made a mistake. We have to admit that to God because we need forgiveness. Sometimes we have to admit it to one another. You know what? This is, this is not, I've been, I've been off a little bit and I've got to get it right. We admit that we need help and admit that we're not okay. You know, if Jesus can do that, I think we have permission to do that. Amen. Amen. You know, as we kind of wrap this up this morning, I wanted to save a little bit of time of worship to just be reflective on, on this. And, you know, if you want to stand and sing, I want to encourage you to do that. If you want to sit and pray, I want to encourage you to do that. But I want us to leave us a, a few minutes here that we can really seek God and um, let God search our hearts for, Lord, is there pride in me that, Maybe it's not the pride of, oh, look how great I am and all this type of pride that we sometimes think of when we exalt ourselves up like some great person. Maybe that's not the pride that you deal with. Maybe the pride is just kind of admitting, I need somebody. Hey, I'm struggling a little bit. And, and, and it's the pride that keeps us away from other people because we want to appear like we have it all together or we feel like we've been too, man, I've already done that once. And, and what would that look like or, or whatever it may be? of keeping up appearances and things like that. So let, let's just take this time. Let's seek after the Lord. Let's let him speak to us. Unite us together as a church. We're going to sing two more songs and we'll come together and pray together as a church. Amen.